0: Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Matthew 7-1, and it reads, Judge not, that you be not judged. I bring greetings and salutations from the Grand Haven Church, way over on the west side. And I really appreciate the offer to come and speak here. I came up with this message several months ago, at least the very basics of it, before I started working on it. And as I mentioned in Sabbath school class this morning, I don't do the the normal Sabbath school lesson that you guys are doing. We're going through the Book of Desire of Ages in my class. I had no idea that you were going through judgment and the sermon today has on judgment. So if you were in the Sabbath school class, you already heard much of the sermon already. But uh, hopefully the Lord will bless anyway. I'm excited to be here. I love the opportunity to speak for the Lord. I pray that he will bless accordingly. All right, as a product of amazing facts, I went to AFCO back in 2001, and I enjoy amazing facts. So I'm going to start off with some amazing facts. There are no mosquitoes in Iceland. Entomologists have found that mosquitoes have never migrated nor settled in Iceland. So, if you're tired of mosquitoes, Iceland-bound, that's where you go. In the average human lifetime, you will grow around 600 miles worth of hair. This is about twice the length of Lake Superior. That's a lot of hair. If a chameleon was blind, it can still change its colors to match its surroundings. The chameleon's ability to match its environment does not rely on sight, but rather on the cells in its body called chromothorps. I'm probably said that wrong. But that's fascinating. You can change colors without even looking. If you ever swallow a razor blade, don't panic. This is not an encouragement to even try this, please, don't. (laughs) But if you ever do, don't panic. Acids are ranked on a scale from zero to fourteen. The lower the pH level, the stronger the acid, human stomach, the stronger the acid. Human stomach acid is typically one to two. That's some of the strongest acids on earth. One study found that the thickened back of a single edged blade dissolves after just two hours of immersion in stomach acid. So you swallow one, chances are pretty slim, but you don't have to worry too much. Bananas contain potassium. Everyone knows that? well. And since potassium decays, that makes the yellow fruit slightly radioactive. Probably didn't know that. But don't worry. You'd need to eat 10 million bananas in a single setting to die from radiation-induced poison from a banana. You're pretty safe there. Don't... Judge me. Let's pray. Father God, we need you now more than ever. There is no doubt that we are living in the last times, the end times. It won't be long now before we see you coming in the clouds of heaven. But before that time arrives, Lord, we need you. We need the Holy Spirit to give us the power, the victory over every defect of our characters. Send the Holy Spirit just now, Lord. Help us to understand the message that you put on my heart and that you will speak through me to your people. In Jesus' blessed name we pray, amen. Don't judge me. How many times have you heard people say that? Why are we so afraid of judging people. What does judgment really mean anyway? In Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Judge not that you be not judged. There is no commission there that we're not supposed to judge at all. Ayn Rand once said, what is morality? Judgment to distinguish right and wrong. Vision to see the truth and courage to act upon it. Dedication to that which is good. Integrity to stand by the good at any price. You know, it's pretty easy to stand by the good. But when that price gets kind of high, some of us want to have a tendency to back down. We need to be able to stand for truth regardless of the consequences. That's what's going to take to make it through the end, the world's favorite Bible passage surely must be Matthew 7 1, where Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. This verse is most often cited when someone points out a sin in the life of another, and the accused one is then quick to reveal the depths of their Bible knowledge by citing this one verse. Though they often do not actually comprehend its proper meaning and application, Now, even Christian brethren feel compelled to use this as a defense, in reality, a diversion, when their sin or worldly behavior has been revealed. The fact is, Jesus was not forbidding judgment completely, just unrighteous judgment. He made that apparently in the very next verse when he said, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, each shall be measured to you again. That was a paraphrase by Stephen Harper. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. We often I often hear you people, don't judge me when they're, usually it's just a defense of some evil or some sin that they have in their lives. We Probably many of us have done it as well. First Corinthians 6, 2 and 3 says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels, how much more the things that pertain to this life? We are supposed to judge. We just have to do it the Bible way. But you'll often hear Christians saying that we're not supposed to judge telling a person not to judge is not only unbiblical but it's also self-defeating since you're making a judgment about someone judging others it's like saying you sh- uh, you should never force your beliefs on anybody else it's just wrong i just force my belief on you by saying it's wrong you see what I mean? It's self-defeating. You can't really do that. The Bible tells, to, tells us to make righteous judgment. John 7.24 says, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. We'll get into a little bit more about what that is. The Bible tells us to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. 2 Timothy 4, two, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, uh, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. How can you do that unless you make judgments? The Bible also tells us to do that with all authority. Titus 2.15 says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Where does that authority come from? Certainly not from us, but from God's word. Spiritual people... Judge all things. 1 Corinthians 2.15, But he that is spiritual judges all things. Nothing is not free from judgment. The Bible says that we are supposed to expose evil. Ephesians 5.11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You have to make judgments to be able to do this. We just need to make sure it's from the Bible, the Word of God. Use that as our, as our rule of faith. We are also to judge those that are in the church. 1 Corinthians 5, 12, and 13, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. We have to judge. We make judgments every single day. We uh, that, we don't let somebody in the church just because they say they want to join. They usually have to go through Bible study. They have to prove that their life is in harmony with the beliefs that they pronounce. These are, these are all judgments. Really, the, if you bro- boiled it down, the, the real definition of judges is de- judgment is determining right from wrong. And you have to make judgments by doing that. What really are we afraid of, of being judged? Do not be afraid to do something because of what people will say about you. People will judge you no matter what. You may have found this to be true, but that shouldn't determine whether you do it or not. What determines whether you do something, is it right? Is it right by the Bible principles, by the Word of God? If it is right, then we do it. Inspect to see if they are good matthew seven twenty by their fruits he shall know them in a sense, we're supposed to be fruit inspectors, and what what is that what are what are, what, what are fruits that's their works, as we studied in Sabbath school this morning we're judged by our works that's what their fruits are it's all that's all we can judge by what we cannot judge by, and which what Matthew seven truly condemns is judging people's hearts, their motives. We can't read their hearts, we have no idea what their motives are. All we do is see what they do, see what they say, hear what they say. That's how we make our judgments. That's the only thing we can go by. Matthew seven fifteen to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. These are all judgments that we have to make on a daily basis. If you're walking around the corner and someone has a a knife and they're pointing at you with a really grimacing look, you can make a pretty good judgment that they're probably not a very nice person and and you might want to get out of the way. But you have to make these judgments all the time. Leviticus 19.15 says, Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the, uh, the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Again, we have to use the Bible. that's where our righteousness is from Christ and his Word second chronicles nineteen four through six and Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim, and brought them back unto the Lord the Lord I'm sorry and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers, and He set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah. City by city, and said to the judges, Take heed what ye do, for ye judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. So every time we judge someone, we're using the word of God, that's our standard. We're doing it for God, we're his representatives. He wants to work through us. So now we know that we are supposed to judge just righteously. What are the bases that we are being judged on? Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What's another way of saying that? Whatever the things you do in life, that's what you're going to be judged by your works. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There's nothing that's going to escape the judgment. Nobody and nothing nothing what we've ever said, thought, or done. It's all going to be under the judgment. Matthew 12.36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Not just your deeds, but even what you've said. Does that give pause, maybe, to what sometimes what we speak? And we should think a little more on when, when we, before we say something? Matthew twelve thirty seven says, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Everything we say, everything we do, will be judged. And you know, the bar is set pretty high. Everything, everything we say and do, it's going to be judged. That's a pretty high bar. Well, it really should be, right? This is God's standard, the highest standard. It shouldn't be anything less. But we can take comfort. As we all know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We don't have to worry in the judgment. So now I'm going to shift gears a little here. We're going to look at God's judgment. There is a time in which the whole world is to be judged by the great judge. And who is that judge? John 5.22 tells us, For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So it's not the Father, but Jesus is going to be our judge. And why do you suppose that is? As we studied in Sabbath school, he is the only one that prevailed. He came down and lived like we do. He knows what it's like. That's why he can be a fair and true judge. There are three phases to the judgment. The investigative judgment, the millennial judgment, and the executive judgment. I put these little slides there. You can see which, what each one does. There are three phases. As with any court process, there is an investigation followed by a verdict or declaration and then the sentence or execution. I was looking for a good slide for this one and I thought I'd found one, but it was incorrect, so I couldn't use it. So I just made my own with this little one here. So just this is just a little freebie here, but we all know what time the investigative judgment started, right? Someone shouted out, what was that? 1844. Is that right? Yes, it is right. 1844. What was that the culmination of? Daniel 8:14. Under how many days? 2,300 days, which is a day for a year principles. So it's under 2,300 year prophecy. Not only is it the longest time prophecy, but it is also the last time prophecy. There is no more time prophecies now eighteen forty four, the fulfillment of it was the last one. And that's when the investigative judgment began. Does anyone have the date for the investigative for the closing of the investigative judgment or the close of probation? Anyone know what that date is? No? Why not? Because we're not given that date. We have no idea when it is. It's not given to us in the scripture, spirit of prophecy, anywhere. We have no idea when it is. The close of probation is going to come when it comes. And I think there's a reason that we aren't told when it is. Because if, if we did know, we knew the exact date when it was, how would we be living life? Oh, I still got another month. I'm going to go live it up like I want to and then I'll get right with the Lord. That's how people would do it. That's why God didn't give us a date. 1 Peter four seventeen, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it began with us first, What shall be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of our God? Doesn't sound very pleasing, does it? For those that are without. So it does begin with us. So in 1844, October 22nd, that's when Jesus, the Father, started looking through the books to determine who is with him and who is not. Our life's record, open to his reading, seeing who's on on which side. At some point during this investigation is going to switch over to the to the dead. The, all, the, all those who have died and that claimed in the name of the Lord. We don't know when that is either. And then at some point he's going to finish. When he finishes, he's going to stand up, lay down his crown, and come back to earth to take us home. That's a great day we are looking forward to. But it is not just humanity that's being judged as was also brought up in Sabbath school. There is something much bigger than the salvation of man alone in this great cosmic conflict. Revelation 14, 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. In In the Greek, when you look up the word is, for his judgment is come, That's the King James, and the New King James, it says, has come. That word isn't even there. There is no word for is, it's not there at all. So it just reads, judgment come. So the word come there is a primary verb used only in the present tense and imperfect tenses. I have no idea what imperfect tenses are, I'm sure some of you English majors out there probably know, but I know what present tense is, that means now. The hour of God's judgment is now. Now, there's, a, there's two ways you can read this. The hour of his judgment has come. This is when he began his judgment. You could say that. Or you could say it's the hour of judging him. God is to be judged. But wait a minute. Why is God being judged? We know he's true and good, right? The plan of salvation had a broader and deeper purpose than the salvation of man. A lot of us don't think about it this way. It was not for this alone that Christ came to earth. It was not merely that the inhabitants of this little world might regard the law of God as it should be regarded, but it was to vindicate the character of God before the universe. The act of Christ in dying for the salvation of man was not only to make heaven accessible to men, but before the universe, it would justify God and His Son in their dealing with the rebellion of Satan. Patriarchs and Prophets 68, 69. That's even the more important issue of this judgment than even our own salvation. When the disciples reported that they were able to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, he said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. That's Luke ten eighteen. He is not referring to Satan's original fall. This new fall was a fall from power and sympathy from heavenly beings. Satan lost a great deal of credibility in his accusations against God and Christ because now God was using his people to do his work. Satan is losing ground quickly. Praise the Lord, right? Psalm 9, verse 16 says, The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. It's interesting. And it always, There's always a, a dichotomy of the, the judgment for God's people is good, the judgment for the wicked, not good. Don't want to be on that side. Psalm 76, verse 9. When God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth... One of the great reasons for the judgment is to save us. Not only does it vindicate his good name, but it also saves us. So you could say that judgment is a form of salvation. That's one of the things he's doing with it. Psalm 48 verse 11. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. That sounds like good stuff. And Daniel seven twenty two until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Man, am I looking forward to that time. I hope you are too. As important as the cross is, I mean, it is the centerpiece of salvation. We shouldn't spend all our time dwelling on it. Focusing on it. After all, the cross is out in the courtyard. There's still the holy and most holy place where Jesus went, and we need to follow him. Too much focus on the cross is actually a distortion of the gospel. Now, hear me out before you pick up the tomatoes and rocks. Because Jesus is no longer on the cross, he is risen. Yes, it's important, but let's not focus everything on it. We need to continue on. I think that's one of the great downfalls of uh, Christianity today. The vast majority of the so-called Protestant churches, they focus very heavily on the cross. But there's two other phases to the sanctuary system, and they leave them completely out. You rarely hear them talk about it. The whole wicked world stand arraigned at the bar of God on the charge of high treason against the government of heaven. They have none to plead their cause. They are without excuse. And the sentence of eternal death is pronounced against them. It is now evident to all that the wages of sin is not noble independence or eternal life, but slavery, ruin, and death. The wicked see what they have forfeited by their life of rebellion. The far more exceeding and internal weight of glory was despised when offered them, but how desirable it now appears. All this, cries the lost soul, I might have had, but I chose to put these things far from me. O strange infatuation, I have exchanged peace, happiness, and honor for wretchedness, infamy, and despair. All see that their exclusion from heaven is just. In their lives they declared, we will not have Jesus to reign over us. As if entranced, the wicked have looked upon the coronation of the Son of God. They see in his hands the tables of the divine law, the statutes which they have despised and transgressed. They witness the outburst of the wonder, rapture, and adoration from the saved. And as the wave of melody sweeps over the multitudes without the city, all with one voice exclaim, Marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways thou king of saints. And falling prostrate, they worship the prince of life. That's from Story of Redemption, 427. I can't recommend that book enough. It's a fantastic little book if you ever get a chance to read it. Why did Jesus have to die, though? Why was that the only way to save us? The transgression was so great that an angel's life would not pay the debt. Nothing but the death and intercession of God's Son would pay the debt and save lost man from hopeless sorrow and misery. The ones who broke the law, us, could only be redeemed by the lawgiver, Jesus. That's from Early Writings, 127. As I wrap this up, I have a little summary of what happens at the executive judgment, which is the third phase of the judgment, they surrounded the camp of the saints, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire revelation twenty nine and ten The wicked shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. Malachi 4:3 Behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, Isaiah 65:17. We look for new heavens and a new earth in which the righteous in which righteousness dwells, 2 Peter 3:13. Is that what you're looking for? Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. Revelation 21 3. Some of this information may be old to you. Some of you may have learned something. But on either account, I hope that you are happy. I hope that you are thrilled about the judgment. I hope that you know that it's okay to judge people in righteousness. Just make sure to do it by the Word of God, and you have nothing to fear. And we have a tremendous reward waiting for us at the end. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, We encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.